agree? Uh, sometimes it's hard to even comprehend all the blessings that we have because of where we live. Uh, kind of reminds me of the wealthy Texan. Maybe you've heard this story, and if you have, just kind of laugh to yourself till we get to the end. But uh, I'm reminded of the wealthy Texan who <clears throat> has the habit of giving his father uh, unique gifts every Father's Day. One year it was hang gliding lessons. The year after, or another year it was the entire, and I don't know why anybody would give this away, but the entire record collection of Slim Whitman's hits, autographed by the singer himself. Now, if you don't know who Slim Whitman is, do a Google search. It'll be fun for you. There you go. Testimony right here. But then the son decided to top them all, and he found and purchased a rare kind of South American bird called the translator. The bird could speak five languages and sing Yellow Rose of Texas in any key while standing on one foot. The bird cost $10,000. But the son felt it was worth every penny, so he gave that to him on Father's Day, a gift that his dad would never forget. A week later, after Father's Day, the son called and said, Dad, how'd you like the bird? Dad said, oh, it was delicious. <laughs> Some would say that's ingratitude. Francis Schaeffer once said, the beginning of man's rebellion against God was and is the lack of a thankful heart. Well, that's a powerful statement, isn't it? Nowhere is that more understood than in W. Hensley's famous poem entitled Invictus, in which the Latin means unconquered. It's a testimony to the unconquerable human spirit. Its imagery is that of a person standing at the gates of hell, unafraid because he is sufficient unto himself. And you've probably heard the last part of this, the last stanza, and it goes like this. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. I don't want to be standing at the gates of hell with that kind of spirit. But those are the ones that get to go in. And it kind of summarizes the way we are today. We live in a time when it's all about us. We're the source of our own strength and happiness and prosperity. And, and we Christians are influenced by that spirit, aren't we? Oh, we are. We live in the ever-present danger of thinking that we are what we are and we have what we have solely because of what we've done. It's an attitude that runs against the scriptural teaching and is inconsistent with those who live a spirit-filled life. Those of us who know Jesus, who have been born again, washed in His blood, have been given the gift of eternal life, should never give in to that type of thought. We have so much for which to be grateful. We have the gospel, we have the good news, and the privilege of sharing it with the rest of the world. Why don't we? Well, I think partly it's because of what we find in Psalm 100. We're given encouragement to thank the Lord for who He is and what He's done. We're told how to thank Him, when and where to thank Him. And I want us to spend a little time, so in those Bibles you held up, Go to Psalm 100. 
There are five verses, and so that makes up five points of the message. Hey, how's that? Usually preachers do three, but I've added two, so you know we'll go to one o'clock. No, I'm just teasing. It's not going to do that. Number one, he is worthy of praise. Look at verse one. Shout unto to the Lord triumphantly all the earth. King James says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord all ye lands. Kaufman Kohler stated in the Jewish Encyclopedia that no language has as many words for joy and rejoicing as does Hebrew. In the Old Testament, 13 Hebrew roots found in 27 different words used primarily for some aspect of joy or joyful participation in religious worship. Hebrew religious ritual demonstrates God is the source of joy in contrast to the rituals of our faith, other faiths of the East. The Israelite worship was essentially a joyous proclamation and celebration. The good Israelites regarded the act of thanking God as one of supreme joy in their life. Pure joy is joy in God, both its source and object. The psalmist says in Psalm 16, verse 11, you, re- you, revel- you reveal excuse me, the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy. In your right hand are eternal pleasures. Powerful verse. <coughs> we are to express our gratitude to the Lord in audible and, and, and in a public manner. We should do that. We should make that joyful noise. And the word noise, my knee's getting better. I heard someone stand up. I've got to quit sitting there. The word noise means to break forth, to bust it out. Sends that imagery of someone who's so full of an emotion, they're unable to contain themselves. I mean, last Friday, I witnessed that. You come onto the field at Boone Pickens Stadium, It's amazing what a little bit of oil money can do (laughs) to that stadium. And I don't know what kind of crowd we had, but it it was just minuscule compared to what we could have had if we filled up that. Wouldn't that have been fun? That would have scared all of us if we'd had it full. But you come down on the field and you look up in these super fans, these kids at school are called, they've they've taken some kind of gold stuff and put all over their body. It was really amazing. Faces were gold, hair was gold, feet were gold, arms were gold. It was an amazing sight, yelling and screaming, enthusiastic. But you haven't seen enthusiasm until the clock ran out and we won. Coaches jumping, back flipping out on the, on the field, trembled on his knees, calling out to God. No, I just he got, he got some, something dumped on him, though. He got the, it was a Gatorade or water or something. He saw him coming. He didn't even move. That's a good coach right there. Take the brunt of that. Players jumping up and down, hugging each other, crying. A lot of joy, a lot of enthusiasm. I looked at the other side. That's what they looked like. There wasn't much joy. You know, Kind of makes me think about us. Enthused comes from a Greek word that means to be possessed by God. To be possessed by God. And if you attend most churches today, you've got to wonder 
Are these people possessed by God? Because if they are, there ought to be something happening. Amen? There ought to be something in you happening. We shouldn't be talking and sharing during song service or any time. We ought to be praising the Lord. Our focus ought to be on Jesus Christ. Amen? And you might say, you know, I don't even know that song. Great, close your eyes and listen. Because there'll be something you'll get out of that song. I don't know that verse of scripture. Close your eyes and listen. There'll be something you get out of that verse of scripture. But if you're distracted, and Satan wants us to be distracted, then we lose that joy of the Lord that's in us. That enthusiasm that's in us. He's worthy of our praise. Now look at verse 2. He's worthy of our service. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him. Come before His face with joyful song. We sing a lot in church. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. Right? But how do we sing it? See, that's, 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 a, song of, that's a song of stability. I'm going to stand my ground. But how do we sing it? I shall not be, I shall not be moved. Yeah. Where's the joy of the Lord? The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord. Oh, that's a new song. I can't do that one. Oh, we ought to be serving the Lord with gladness and joyful songs and whoo, glory to God. God I just got to brag on some of you. Just got to brag on some of you. Uh, we, we have a new storage building out here. I'm telling you, I know nothing about storage buildings. If you come to our leadership council meetings, you would have found that out. I know nothing about storage buildings. And, and a couple months ago when Don, Don Vocal said, hey, I'll take care of that, I said, praise God. Praise God. And we got a, a beautiful, beautiful storage building out there. I walked in it, and I said, can we put plumbing in here? This could be somebody's house. It is so nice. And then Gary's jumped out there and put some shelves in it. We're going to look so organized, we won't know. We can't find anything because we know it's too organized. We can't find it. Well, exactly. Well, I was looking for a ladder the other day. I said, Gary, have you seen that ladder? He says, in the shed. We're supposed to be. I said, well, of all things, don't put it in the shed. But I just want to thank these guys for, for their extra work they do. Amen. And others of you, and the things that you do around the church, you jump in and you, you, you see a need, you jump in and fill it. I'm so proud of you for doing that. And there, there's a joy in you as you're doing it. That's awesome. The way it's supposed to be. Service to the Lord implies three things. Number one, humility. You can't serve someone unless you have a humble attitude. It also implies fidelity, service with faithfulness. Otherwise, it would be not service, but betrayal. And then the third thing it implies is activity. You can't serve someone if you don't do something, I could pray for you all day long, but I need to put some legs to my prayer. Tyler's a great, he's going to be a great football player. He's just a freshman. He's just 15 years old. We call him Big T around here. You know what the team calls him? Sweet T. Now, why do you think they call him Sweet T? Because he's smiling all the time. Sweet T. I like sweet tea, don't you? 
How's that? Here we go. Okay. All right. So there'll be a little blimp in the, if you listen to it on the, online, you'll, go, you'll hear me stop and then come back in. Sorry. But God is more concerned with what we are than what we do because what we are will determine what we do. When God was giving the law to the Israelites in Deuteronomy 28, 47, He told them they would be cursed if they did not serve the Lord with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things. You know, we of all people should be the most joyful. But we've got it. Boy, He's given it to us. And some people who claim to know Jesus as Lord and Savior live lives devoid of joy and gladness. It's because they focused on the wrong things. Some serve Him out of greed. This person does what they do for the Lord or for his church only for what they can get in return. It just gets to me when people say, well, what do you have to offer at the church? I said, all I have to offer you is the cross of Christ. That's all I have to offer. Well, what kind of children's program do you have? I said, a growing one. What kind of teenage program you got? I said, just a few. Well, what kind of worship program do you have? They mean music. I said, we have a piano and a guitar. What kind of songs do you sing? I said, we do a mix. A blend? Oh, oh. It's amazing what we focus on. Because really, none of that stuff matters except that that man that hung on that cross be lifted up. Last time I read the scripture, it didn't say, if you have a fabulous worship team, I'm going to bring all men unto me. Boy, listen, if you've got the facilities bar none, that's going to bring all people unto me. I believe the Bible said if Jesus be lifted up, he would draw all men unto himself. So we'll continue to lift up Jesus. Amen. Amen. And, he'll continue and he will continue to bless like he's pouring it out on us. Amen. A man who's greedy is, de- is destined to a life of unhappiness because you can never have enough. Two people won the lottery last week. Five hundred and something million dollars in one day went from 500 million to 550 million. That means a lot of lottery tickets were bought. California people are screaming and hollering, and now they're going to get into the lottery system. One lady, was, they asked, said, what do you think? She goes, well, it's about time we got a piece of the pie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you'll see the state taxes come up your, your leg too, uh-huh. Physical things, earthly position, human accomplishments cannot meet spiritual needs. Can't do it. You see, I don't care who you are, how important you may feel you are, how much money you've got, or whatever you think you have, when you get to the cross, the ground's level. Because we're all in need of a Savior. Amen? You might come up here and beat me to death. That's all right. You still got to go over to that level ground and find Jesus. You may hate me. You may throw me out. But you still got to find Jesus the same way everybody else does. You might be the governor of a state, mayor of a city. Still got to find Jesus the same way. Others serve the Lord with a grudge. That attitude says, why do I have to do this for God? Haven't I done enough already? I mean, hey, come on. These are the folks who honestly think they've paid their debt to God and somehow God owes them something. They're, they're blind to the blessings of God and how undeserving they are. I like how John Maxwell put it. He said, the instant we're born, we already owe someone for nine months of room and board. <laughs> and we very rarely pay it back. How many of you moms would say amen? Yeah. <laughs> we, 
We can never do enough to say thanks to our Lord. Never. Never can you do enough to say thanks to our Lord. While some serve out of greed, others out of a grudge, others see service to our Lord as a grind. These people have lost the joy of their salvation. Just like our marriage, our relationship to the Lord does not have to become a grind, lacking passion and zeal. It only gets that way because we let it get that way. I love Cindy more today than I ever have. I love her. She's put up with a lot that I put her through, <laughs> let alone what else life does. You single moms, single parents, highest admiration for you and what you do. I'm telling you, it's a miracle what you can do. It's amazing what you can do and the extra workload it costs you to do what you do. Now, these coaches can talk about that. It's easy to do if we remember what verse 3 tells us, however, that he alone is God. It says, acknowledge that Yahweh is God. No one else deserves our service like he does. He's God. He must be first in our lives before our career, before our family, before children, before wives, before our own desires, before everything. God must be first. Here is our motivation for service with gladness. It's how we can live with an attitude of gratitude because the Lord we serve is Almighty God. He owns it, has it, gives it gracefully and abundantly. He made us, we're His. And it's a stinging rebuttal to the thought that we may give ourselves credit for the blessings that fill our lives. He made us, He owns us, and when we are sold ourselves out to sin, He bought us back with the blood of His precious Son, Jesus. We've got no claim. No right on our own lives. They belong to Him. He purchased us with a price. And the sooner you come to grips with that, the better it's going to be for you. We're His people, sheep of His pasture, His representatives here on earth, His sheep. He leads us, provides for us, guides us, comforts us, protects us, prospers us. He alone is the source of all blessing. If I can do anything today that I couldn't do yesterday, because of what God gave me to do it with. He did. We're all, we've all got it in here. We've all got it in here. I, I, I really, watching the guy put the storage building up out there, it, it was kind of a step-by-step -step process. And you get the walls up, and I thought, well, where's the roof? Then he'd build the trusses and put the trusses up. And then I said, well, where's the roof? <laughs> then he'd get the roof and the shingles on and then hinges on. And then we got to look inside the, man, it looks awesome. It's amazing. But all from scratch. I wouldn't even know the first place to start. They go buy the wood and bring it up here and lay it down. Let you do something with it. I could do that part. I might could do that part. Maybe. <laughs> An ancient Chinese proverb says, When you drink from the stream, remember the spring. Isn't that great? When you drink from the stream, remember the spring. So if we drink from the stream of his goodness, we must never forget that he is the fount of every blessing. Now look at with me at verse 4. He is worthy of our praise. Enter to his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his holy name. The Israelites could only experience the presence of God through the Ark of the Covenant because that's where God resided. But now, but now, because of Jesus, he lives inside all who place their faith and trust in Him for forgiveness of sin and for eternal salvation. 
He's not in a box behind a curtain. He is in us. Living, moving, breathing, enthusing, pricking, prodding, ooh, pushing. He's in us. We don't have to go hunting for him. He's right here. All you got to do is just say, here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. As if he didn't know where we were. <laughs> you ever played hide and seek with a little kid? And they'll hide and you can see them. And you say, well, I wonder where they are. I can't. And so they're over there going. Because they don't think you can see them, right? That's the way we are with God sometimes, isn't it? We think we're hiding. God says, well, I don't think I can see them. We can't escape his presence. Our attitude should always be one of thanksgiving, one of praise. We are to be thankful and to bless his name. The, the idea of praising and blessing, normally that blessing is transferred from the greater to the lesser. In the Old Testament, you find people seeking God's blessing. You can recall the story of Isaac's son, Jacob, who wrestled with the angel of God till dawn. And in Genesis 32, he tells the angel that he won't let go of him until he blesses Jacob. This was a blessing that would bestow abundant and effective life upon that recipient who would receive that blessing so it was given from the greater to the lesser it was normally a blessing for the future but the ancient hebrew understood one thing about this blessing for abundant and effective living it could only come from almighty god it could only come from him and so we need to focus that way and when the blessing is directed toward god it's not with a view of bestowing it but of acknowledging that he alone could give it becomes a description, an expression of thanksgiving, a recognition that he was the sole source of a rich and meaningful life. A person could not be separated from their name. That's why we are, we are blessed in the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. When Scripture tells us to bless the Lord, it's telling us that we must profess, acknowledge, accredit, recognize, and confess with our words and deeds that God alone is the source of all true happiness and blessings in our life the natural result when you have that kind of relationship it'll just flow from you and if you want to know why he's worthy of our praise let's look lastly at verse 5 where we're going to find that God is good look what it says for the Lord is good and his love is eternal his faithfulness endures through all generations that's why we give praise to God that's why we do it we're told here that we are to enter his gates with thanksgiving, to serve him with gladness because he is good. He has mercy on us. His truth is without end. There's no one else about whom these things can be said. But I want to give you three simple suggestions that will help you gain and maintain an attitude of gratitude in your life. Number one, take note. It means to live with awareness. Live with awareness. Americans, we so often are tempted to see nothing but our own reality. When we used to take our trips to Juarez and do some mission work there. I was always taken back by, I could stand on top of the mesa where the mission was and look just a short distance and see America. And just the stark difference of where I was standing and what I was looking at down below the mesa and what I saw across the river, just the river, was absolutely amazing. It's been calculated that if you reduce the world's population to a city of 1,000 inhabitants, 46 of those people would be Americans, and the other 954 would represent the rest of the world's population. 
Those 46 Americans would receive half of the income of the city, and the other uh, one half would be divided among the remaining 954 people. The 46 Americans would have a life expectancy of 75 years, while the other 954 would live less than 40 years. The Americans would have 15 times as many possessions per person as all the rest of the people. While the Americans would receive more than their daily food requirements, 800 wouldn't have what we call a balanced meal. The dogs and the cats of the American people today have a better diet than most people around the world. We have a great deal to be thankful for. Take note. Become aware. Open your eyes to the world around you. It will shock you, but it will also cause you to be grateful. The second thing I would encourage you to do is to take inventory. Take inventory of your blessings. I like that old song, Count Your Many Blessings, Name Them One by One. When upon life's billows your tempest tossed, when you're discouraged thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Lord, stop and count your blessings. Have we stopped to count those lately in our life? Many of us have a tendency to focus on what's wrong, which gives us a distorted picture of life. Barry Siegel pointed this out in his column in the Los Angeles Times. Siegel said, consider what some scientists predict if everyone keeps stacking National Geographics in garages and attics instead of throwing them away, the magazine's weight will sink the continent 100 feet sometime soon, and we will all be inundated by the oceans. If the number of microscope specimen slides submitted to one St. Louis hospital lab continues to increase at its current rate, that metropolis will be buried under three feet of glass by the year 2224. If beachgoers keep returning home with as much sand clinging to them as they do now, 80% of the country's coastline will disappear in 10 years. So if you want to focus on wrong things, we'll never see the good things. Take inventory of the blessings. Stop focusing on the things that could go wrong. And then thirdly, take action. Turn your attitude of gratitude into an action of appreciation. Do something good for someone else today at lunch. Just look around the restaurant if you're out, out to eat lunch. And find a young couple and just tell the waitress you want to buy their lunch. The blessing you'll receive is incredible. They don't need to know who you are. They don't need to know anything. You just pay for it and walk out. Blessings uh, will come to you. Somebody's in line behind you and you look around. They've got a whole lot more stuff than you do. Step out of the way and let them go in front of you. Oh, you're crazy, preacher. I, ain't, I can understand. Go to McDonald's through the drive-thru. When you're getting ready to pay for yours, tell them you want to pay for the one behind you. And it's so fun to look in the mirror and see their face <laughs> as you drive off. God has given us plenty to share. God didn't give it to you solely for your own benefit. He placed it in your hands to see what, God, uh, what kind of servant God has in you. He gave you all you have so you can be his person, his ambassador, so you can do it with the same thing he would do. Jesus says when we act in kindness, blessing others with even as much as a cup of cold water, it's as though we've done it unto him. And do it while you're here. See the good it will do. A rich man once asked his friend, why am I criticized for being miserly? Everyone knows I will leave everything to charity when I die. Well, said the friend, let me tell you about the pig who lamented to the cow one day about how unpopular he was. People are always talking about your gentleness and your kind eyes, said the pig. Sure, you give milk and cream, but I give more. I give bacon and ham. 
They even pickle my feet. Still nobody likes me. Why is that? Well, the cow thought for a moment and said, maybe it's because I give while I'm still living. Some of you have more money than you'll ever need. Can't take it with you. If never done, all the funerals I've ever done, never seen a hearse full of U-Haul. Find some good to do and then do it. Find some good to do and then do it. The couple in Missouri that won the, the half of that lottery, first thing the man did was write a large check to Toys for Tots. I think that's awesome. It's awesome. You ever wonder what you'd do if you won $234 million? Some of you are passing out right now. I understand. That'd be overwhelming, wouldn't it? Well, after you got through giving the government most of it, <laughs> they didn't spend $2 on your ticket, did they? Show appreciation to God by how you serve him with what he's given you. Let me finish with this story. April 30th, 1863, President Abraham Lincoln read his proclamation for a national day of fasting, humiliation, and prayer. Well, it'd be awesome to have a president that would call for one of those. This is part of what he said. We have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved the many years <clears throat> in peace and prosperity. We've grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has ever grown, but we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched uh, and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our heart that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace, too proud to pray to God that made us. It behooves us then to humble ourselves before the offended power, to confess our national sins, and to pray for clemency and forgiveness. How about you? Does your life right now demonstrate a sense of gratitude to God? When others see you, are they aware that you live your life for someone else to whom you owe a great debt? Is there joy in your life, and does it show? Have you demonstrated your gratitude to even Jesus lately? Father, I ask you this morning, as we prepare to sing a song of invitation, that you would be ever so real to us this morning. We would sense your presence. We would want to respond to you in as positive a way as we can. For some, it's simply going to mean that we're going to call out to prayer. For some, they may want to, for the very first time, say, Preacher, I'd like to have that abundant life. I'd, I'd like to know Jesus for the very first time. I've never uh, made a confession of faith. I've never been baptized. And What does that mean? And God, what an opportunity we would have to teach them what that means. There might be another group of people here that are saying, you know, we'd like to be a member of this church. Uh, we've been baptized and uh, we've been attending or we just started attending and we just, we'd just like to be a part of a fellowship like this. Well, God, I'd encourage them to come and, and to make that known. But Jesus, more than anything, we are so grateful that you came, you died, you were buried, and you rose again. Because that brings us hope. And that hope leads us to live by faith. And God, we do love you. We praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Always sing a hymn of invitation. God's moving on your heart to respond in some way. Would you do it today as we stand and sing?